Thank you very much for allowing us to come and share a little bit about our ministry. Uh, first of all, I want to thank those who have prayed for us for our last trip. And uh, we were in Virginia and uh, we were in Florida. Had some opportunities to minister the Word of God and, and sing. And uh, I believe that uh, God used us to encourage some hearts. Um, we are very glad always when we have been gone for any length of time to come back home. It's, it's always good to be back in our home church and, and uh, to worship with brothers and sisters in this church house. It, it, you don't know quite how good you have it really here. Uh, it's, a, it's a beautiful uh, church and uh, we have a, a very rich um, choir and music and um, sound preaching. Not everywhere is like that. Sometimes we get to complaining sometimes, don't we? But I'm telling you, uh, it's good to be home. But after saying that, uh, we would rather be out on the road because that's what God has called us to do. And we have an opportunity in the new year to be going to uh, the land of Jamaica. Uh, we're very excited about that. You know, suffering for Jesus in Jamaica with those white sands and hot temperatures in, in January. We've had a lot of people say, we would like to go with you on that trip. But let me tell you something, we're not going to be going to the White Sands. We're not going to be going to the resorts. We are going to be going to some very impoverished areas of Jamaica. And we will be ministering in some churches that simply need revival. I was just told recently that many people or most people if not all people, have some sort of lip service towards God, but many of them, most of them, you might say, have no relationship with Jesus Christ. Many of the Jamaican people will go to church and yet not be saved. It's our prayer, and we would ask that you would covenant with us to pray for our ministry in Jamaica, that we would see a genuine, bona fide, Holy Ghost revival. So a bit of our plans, uh, we were leaving on the 5th of January, we'll be landing in Montego Bay, and then we'll be heading to Hanover, and we will begin um, services, uh, revival services starting on January the 7th, morning and evening, and we will be preaching all the way till Friday. So we will do six meetings, seven, uh, seven services, and then we'll have Saturday off. And then we will be going um, to another area, St. Elizabeth, and we will be ministering at Spice, Spice Grove Baptist Church and Providence Baptist Church. So we'll be ministering actually in four churches because we will be starting there on the 14th of January, and we will be preaching until the 19th. And then we have Saturday off. Then we'll go back to Hanover, and we'll be preaching at another church there, um, and it is called, um, I can't remember what it's called. See if I've got it written down somewhere. Rock Cliff Baptist Church. So we have a few pictures of what we're going to be seeing while we're down there. This here is Independence Hall Baptist Church. So we'll be going there. And then while we're there, we're also going to be, and this is the uh, Rock Cliff Baptist Church. And then we will be, while we're there, we're going to be in the school. We'll be doing two schools there. 
Mount Pedo Primary School, and then another one called Mount Pedo Ward Primary School. This is the church that's down in St. Elizabeth, Spice Grove Baptist Church. I don't have the other church, which is called Providence Baptist Church. The pastors of this church are Kingsley, uh, Kingsley Smith, and in St. Elizabeth is Godfrey Watson. There are 53 independent, fundamental Baptist churches in Jamaica. I would like to go to Jamaica and just go to one church a week and, and do revival. Maybe God will open the door for that someday. But there are a lot of independent Baptist churches. But there is still a great need for revival. Um, it is my hope that you would partner with us in prayer. Uh, we need the church to be praying for us. We don't believe that we can do anything without prayer. The people there are already praying for revival. And uh, also, one other thing, if you'd be interested, when we go on these kind of ministry trips, uh, we have a, an email kind of update that we do daily so that you, you get a sense of how things are going in the meetings. And if you would like to be on that email list, you can just um, text me, uh, go on our directory and text me and send me your email address, and then we'll put you on our list, and we, we'll just send you how things are going during the revival meetings, and then uh, that would help you to know how to pray for our specific needs while we are in Jamaica. So this evening, I want to preach on a subject found in the book of Ezekiel. It's interesting that pastor would preface the service with Ezekiel chapter 3. I would like us to turn this evening to the book of Ezekiel and chapter 37. Um, in my own private time of devotions and, and Bible reading, I uh, was reading upon this particular subject, and I, I told the Lord, Lord, uh, if you would open a door for me, the next time I get opportunity to preach, I would like to preach on this subject. I had no idea where the next place would be that I'd be asked to preach. And so Pastor Fury asked me if I would like to preach this Sunday evening, so I already knew what to preach before I knew where I was going to preach it. It's kind of good when things happen that way. And uh, I was wondering, Lord, is this really the message that we need for this church in this hour and at this place? And I don't believe the Lord would put it on my heart if it wasn't. But I'm going to need the Lord's help. So I'd like to just bow my head and, and a word of prayer and ask that you would join with me as I seek God's face for help this evening. Lord, I come before you in the wonderful name of Jesus, very cognizant of the fact, Lord, that I'm a weak vessel. And Lord, that if any time during this message that I feel myself strong, make me weak again, Lord, that thy strength would be make, made perfect in my weakness. Lord, I pray that this message would be applied to our hearts. Lord, I know that there are some people this night who need to hear this word. I know, Lord, that there are some here this evening who do not yet know you as Lord and Savior. 
And Lord, it is my prayer that tonight would be a night of decision. Lord, a night of revival and a night of salvation. Lord, we can't have it in our own strength, but Lord, by your spirit, we can have it. And Lord, you said we have not because we ask not. And Lord, I'm asking you tonight, pour out your spirit upon this place. Pour out your spirit on this preacher. Pour out your spirit upon each and every individual hearer. And we would ask this in the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. The goodness of God, uh, uh, that song that was sung already this evening, and I, I was reminiscing of the fact that God has been good. Now, God has been so very good to me, far better than I could ever deserve or even hope for. Now, there may be some people who think God is unfair, but he's not been unfair to me. He's been more than enough and more than good. In fact, I would say if he were to be fair to me, as we understand fairness, I wouldn't be able to be standing up here today. I would be in a burning hell. But God, in his grace, has sought to save my soul and has done so many good and wonderful things in my life. And in this passage of Scripture, we are going to see something of the goodness of God, and it should encourage each and every one of our hearts that God is good, and he's not finished with us, no matter where we are or where we have been. Now, I have 14 verses in this text. I have three different ways of looking at it. First of all, I want us to look at the interpretation of it. That's very important as we go through this text. I'm not going to read the text and then go through it. I'm going to go through it. And then I want us to look at it in terms of application. There's only one uh, interpretation, but there are many applications. And so I want to look at two applications tonight. But first of all, I want to go through this, this part of the book of Ezekiel. Now, Ezekiel is, uh, the book of Ezekiel is filled with a, a lot of metaphors and uh, similitudes and, 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 and pictures. And throughout the book, we, we see various interesting ways in which God illustrates what he has done to Israel and what he will do to Israel. At this point, we understand that Israel has broken the covenant with God. They have rebelled against God, they have served other gods, and they have worshiped idols. And so the question may be asked is God, at this point, is God finished with the nation of Israel? Well, that would have been a very good question because they had uh, disobeyed God, uh, they, they had done despite unto the Spirit of grace, they lived wickedly. And again, if God was to be fair, he would have put them away. But we serve a God of grace, even in this part of the Old Testament. So I just want to go through it uh, verse by verse, and now I'm going to look at the, the interpretation and then at the application. So the Bible says in Ezekiel chapter 37 and verse 1, The hand of the Lord was upon me and carried me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley 
which was full of bones. Uh, verse 2, and caused me to pass by them round about, and behold, there were very many in the open valley, and lo, they were very dry. So we see right off in verse 1 and 2 a picture emblematic of the judgment that God had poured out upon his people. So the Bible tells us that there was an open grave, a great valley, and that it was full of bones. Now, it must have been a, a, a vicious battle that had taken place, a great carnage that had taken place, a great war and great destruction, because the Bible says that there weren't a few, but that there were many. In another place, we see that the Bible says, exceeding many. And the Bible says that it was all full of dry bones. Now, you could just imagine some of these battles that had took, taken place back in those days, a, a great slaughter. And these dead bones, these dead bodies might have been dragged to this very place. Some of them died right there on the spot. But then all of a sudden you have the buzzards that come along and, and pick those bones and all kinds of vermin are eating on that flesh. And then the wind and the sun go over it and dry them out till they become very dry, dry bones. Now, the Bible tells us that the Spirit of God brought the prophet Ezekiel to this place. I don't believe that any man of God or any person would purposefully want to go into this valley of dry bones. But he was led by the Spirit of God, and he, he looked at it. And then the Bible says in verse 3, and he said unto me, this is the Spirit of the Lord said unto me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, thou knowest. It's a very peculiar question for the Spirit of the Lord to ask, can these dry bones live? In the natural, we would look at it and say, no, it's an impossibility. But Ezekiel answered right, and he said, Lord, thou knowest, because with God, all things are possible. And again, he said unto me, prophesy unto these bones, and say unto them, O ye dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Uh, he was given a request, a command, to preach unto a whole valley of dry bones. I remember when uh, I was first starting to preach, and um, I didn't have much of an audience. My kids didn't want to hear me preach. My wife didn't want to hear me preach. But I had a whole barn full of cows. And I would go out into the barn, barnyard and I'd preach to these cows. And I was better than nothing, but um, some of the people I preached, I shouldn't say that. But anyways, I, 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 I preached to the cows. But here, Ezekiel is preaching to dry bones. And you can just imagine the scene when he stands up and says, Thus saith the Lord unto these dry bones. I will cause breath to enter into thee, and thou shalt live. And then he says, and I will lay sinew upon you, and I will bring up 
flesh upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you and ye shall live and ye shall know that I am the Lord. I I can picture that scene. It, It might look peculiar, but the prophet is preaching and he is preaching with everything that he has. Of course, you know that doesn't matter how much he preaches, it isn't going to change the outcome. But when God is in it and the Spirit of the Lord is in it, something is going to happen. The Bible says in verse 7, so I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I prophesied, there was a noise, and behold, shaking, and bones came together, bone to his bone, dry bones starting to move. Uh, It might have just been a little movement over there, a little bit. Old prophet's looking at that, and he's saying, "What's, what's going on? And then more movement, and then more movement, and then more movement. And then the Bible says, there was a great noise, and the bones started to come together, bone to his bone. What an incredible sight for the prophet to have seen. And the Bible says, In verse 8, and when I beheld, lo, sinew and flesh came upon them, and skin covered them above, but there was no breath in them. Here they are standing up. They've got sinew. They've got flesh. And they've got skin. But they're still dead. Notice what the Bible says. Then he said unto me, prophesy unto the wind. We saw him preaching to the bones, but now he's going to preach to the wind. What's he going to say? And, he, and say to the wind, thus saith the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe upon these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as commanded me, and breath came into them, and they lived and stood upon their feet, and what? An exceeding... Great army. The Bible says these dead bones became alive. And it's a picture of the resurgence of Israel. God was not done. It was a picture that God was not done with this rebellious nation. The nation that had received the law from God's hand, that had the covenant, but had backslidden to such a degree that he judged his own people. But he said, I'm not done with you. Now, of course, we understand this as a a picture of the remnant that God would raise up and they would return back into the land. We might also say, Some have said that it's a a picture of Israel returning uh, back to the land in 1947. In either case, God was not done with Israel. The Bible says, then he said to me, son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. That's the interpretation. We, We can't make it say anything else. That's the interpretation. Now, I know some people have used this in terms of replacement theology. I am not a replacement theologian. I do not believe that the church is Israel. 
I don't believe that. Now, the Bible does say if we have believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, we are the children of Abraham by faith. I get that. But the church is not Israel. But the Bible says that uh, this is the, the house of Israel. Behold, they say, our bones are dry and our hope is lost. We are cut off for our part. Therefore prophesy and say unto them, thus saith the Lord God, behold, O my people, I will open your graves and cause you to come up out of, you, out of your graves and bring you to the land of Israel. And ye shall know that I am the Lord when I have opened your graves, O my people, and brought you up out of your graves. And the Bible says when it speaks about the wind, it's not just speaking about wind. It's speaking about the spirit of the living God. Notice what it says in verse 14. And I shall put my spirit in you, and ye shall live and shall place you in your land. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. I, the Lord, have spoken it and performed it, saith the Lord. That's the grace of God. That's the interpretation. It's brought out, and then he explains it. This whole passage of Scripture deals with the Spirit of God. It's spoken of several times. And the Word of God. But this evening, I have two other applications for us tonight. We, we see a picture of how God deals with his people. And I want us to look at two other ways in which God deals with his people. And I want to use this as the backdrop. I've never preached on this message before. I've never preached on this subject before. So I don't know how long it will take. I'll try to get through it just as fast as I can. And hopefully I'll be able to keep your interest. First of all, the first application is revival of the church. The question is, is God finished with his church? I mean, we can look around at the church in general and say, the church in general is in a pretty sorry state. And, and unless we have a move of God, uh, who knows where we'll end up? I mean, the things that we, we looked upon 20 years ago uh, uh, in other, other places, we would say, oh, that's horrible. Uh, we do them today in our churches. But God's not done with his church. I still believe, dear friends, that God is prepared to pour out a revival upon the church. First of all, I want us to see a lifeless church. Now, when I say a lifeless church, we could also say a lifeless person. You know, you can be in a lively church, but you can be a dead person. Or you can be a lively person and you can be in a dead church. You, you use it however it applies to you. Now, it would seem to me if we look at this text, we look at these dry bones, it is clear to me that these dry bones once lived. They wouldn't be there. There wouldn't be bones if there wasn't some sort of life in them before. And so now the prophet is looking at these dry bones and he's saying, these were once alive but now they're dead. And that's just the way it is in church, dear friends. That is to say, we were once alive. 
We were happy in Jesus. There wasn't anything that we wouldn't do for the Lord. We loved the Lord. We worshiped him in spirit and in truth. When, you know, you know what kind of interests me? When I think about church in general, is how do we ever get to a dead stage? I mean, haven't we seen the goodness of God? Have we never looked at the crucified Christ? Have we never seen the nail-pierced hands and feet and the bruised body, the death groans? Have we never seen those nail-pierced feet, those beautiful feet that carried the gospel? Never seen the nail-pierced hands, the hands that, that healed the sick and raised the dead to life? Haven't we ever seen the, the, the briny sweat mixed with blood from the thorns on his crown and the plucked beard and the plowed back? This was Jesus Christ who died for our sins. Have we never ever received a love token from Jesus Christ in our lives today? I mean, there are times when God just shows up with an enormous blessing. And you say, where did that come from? God looked down on you and smiled upon you and just decided, I'm going to bless you and give you something that you don't deserve. Has that never happened to you? And then there's the unseen things that we do not see, that there's a spiritual battle going on. And God is protecting us. Have we never, ever observed the eternal flame of hell? Have we never smelt the, the brimstone? Have we never seen the, the e eternal chains of incarceration? Have we never seen that that was our just desert and that Jesus Christ endured my hell? You would think that somebody would get saved and there would be one complete life of perpetual revival. I mean, when you think about it that way, don't you think we would all be living in revival? And, and you know, just as we has been indicated, we tend to very easily by ourselves grow cold. The songwriter said it like this, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. It is natural for us to grow cold. Uh, somebody says, well, what takes place? I believe, first of all, like the Bible tells us in the book of Revelation, chapter 2 and verse 4, I have somewhat against you because ye have left your first love. Do you remember what it was like when you got saved? What happened? Uh, we begin to take things for granted, don't we? 
I believe with all my heart, dear friends, that we do not have a healthy fear of the Lord in our churches anymore. That's one of the first things to go when we leave our first love. We don't have that healthy fear of the Lord. The Bible says that, Mo, uh, that Noah was moved with fear. The next thing I see that we don't have a hunger and a thirst for God. It seems to go. When we first got saved, we had a hunger and a thirst for God. We wanted to consume everything that was available for us. We wanted it. We were hungry for it. We yearned for it. We went to every meeting that we could go to. At least I did. I devoured the Bible. Everything of God was important. But now we have debates in our mind. Well, should I go to church tonight or not? Should I stay home and watch reruns of Andy Griffith? Or should I go to church? What happens? We don't have a fear of God. I believe that if we have a fear of God, we will fear nothing else. Jesus said these words. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye, except ye abide in me. Turn your eyes Upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of this earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Well, we have seen the the church that's not living. Then we see the loud church. I love this. The Bible says there was a noise, and behold, a shaking. You know, here's here's this body. It's all raised up. Bones start to go to bones, and it starts to shaking. I, I, I love a noisy church. A noisy church is better than dry bones. Amen? I love a church that's moving, that's going, that's creating a lot of noise. I love to hear the amens and the glories and the hallelujahs. I love all that stuff. I love it when we sing with gusto, with everything that is in us. David said, deliver me from blood guiltiness, O Lord, and my tongue shall sing aloud of thy righteousness. Open thou my lips, O Lord, and I will sing of thy praises. I love it. But dear friends, let me just say this, that you can have a lot of noise And you can have a lot of action, but you can still be very dead. Here it was. 
these dead bones standing up, but they were not alive. They were just as dead. I, I, I remember watching my neighbor butcher chickens, and he would slice their necks, cut their heads off, and those chickens would go around running around. Lots of movement, let me tell you, dear friends, lots of movement, but not very healthy. The Bible says of the church of Sardis, Revelation chapter 3 and verse 1, Thou hast a name that thou livest, but thou art dead. You have a reputation, but the reputation doesn't make you alive. The Bible says in uh, Matthew chapter 7, many will come unto me in that day saying, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in thy name? Did we not cast out devils in thy name? And did we not do many wondrous works in thy name? The Bible says that Jesus said in that day, Depart from me, ye doers of iniquity, for I never knew you. A lot of churches have a lot of action, but they're dead. Third, we see the laboring church. Notice what the Bible says in verse 8. And when I beheld and lo, sinew and flesh came upon them and skin covered them above, but there was no breath in them. Now, it's the fleshly church. The church that, that does a lot. Work. Now, listen to me. I, I, I love an enthusiastic church. We ought to be enthusiastic. I love a laboring church. A laboring church is better than an enthusiastic church. An enthusiastic church is better than a dead bone church, okay? And we ought to be working. We ought to be doing all that we can for Jesus. But let me just say this. The flesh is able to do an awful lot. You know, I often think about Cain and Abel. You know, I think of, of Cain's sacrifice. You know, I bet it was beautiful. I bet it was tall and glorious with flowers and a beautiful display. But it was not accepted of God. I remember hearing a story one time about a Chinese missionary. The, the, the people of his church raised up money, as much money as they possibly could. And they sent him to America. They wanted to see what the American church was all about and how they did things. So they sent this man and he went from this church and went to that church, went to that denomination and went to this denomination. And then he came back to China. And all the people gathered around them and they began asking him a question one after another, one after another, one after another. Then finally one person said, could you please tell me what was the thing that impressed you most about the American church? Now I'm saying the American church, but it could have easily have been the Canadian church. 
And the missionary said this. The thing that impressed me the most was what the American church was able to accomplish without God. And then there is the living church or the living people. It is those people who have felt the work of the Spirit of God. You say, well, what must we do? What what should we do? Well, I believe we ought to seek God with all of our heart and with all of our strength for revival. I believe that with all my heart. You know, you say, well, what, what can dead bones do? I mean, they're dead. It's not like dead bones can exert a certain amount of energy and just come up. But yet, Isaiah says, awake, awake, put on strength. The apostle Paul said, he commands and he says, arise from the dead and Christ will give you light. Uh, The command never lessens, dear friends. I believe with all my heart that God wants to pour out a spirit of revival upon our churches, upon Bethel Baptist Church, upon churches throughout our country and across our land. I believe that God wants it. The question isn't whether God wants it or not. The question is, do we want it or not? If we want it, we will spend time on our knees and seeking God for a moving of the Spirit. Now, very quickly, I know it's 6 o'clock because Kathy's alarm went off. (laughs) The next application, and I promise to be very quickly, the regeneration of the sinner. First of all, let's take another look at those dead bones. Do you realize this morning, or this evening, I should say, That if you are here and you are without Christ, that is to say that you have never come and put your faith in Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. That the Bible says that you are dead. Look it up. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 1. The Bible says you are dead. In fact, the Bible goes on to say that. It says that, that uh, and you are dead in, dead, dead in trespasses and sin. Where in times past, you walked according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. In other words, not only were we dead, but we were the servants of Satan. We are the servants of Satan if you are here tonight without Christ. You say, well, I don't do any satanic work. Well, that doesn't mean anything. You're still, Satan doesn't mind anybody being religious. You're dead. You need to be, as the Bible says, quickened to be made alive. But secondly, you may make a lot of noise. Remember the scripture? The shaking, the rattling. You know, you can make a lot of noise and you can do a lot of things. But still, you are dead. 
You may be full tonight of good works. You may do more than anybody else. The Bible says, not of works, lest any man should boast. The Bible says that not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he has saved us through the washing of regeneration and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Do you know what the Bible says tonight about your works? That even your righteousness is as filthy rags in his sight. You say, well, I do good things. I'm better than that Christian over there. It doesn't matter. God looks upon it as being dead, and it amounts to absolutely nothing. You know what needs to happen, friends? Just as it happened with those dry bones, the Spirit of God must move upon them, and they must come alive. Just as it took, takes place in revival, we need the Spirit of God to be poured out upon the church and bring a Holy Ghost revival. So it is with every person here tonight who does not know the Lord Jesus Christ as its Savior. You need to have the work of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says that ye must be born again. You must be born of the Spirit. The Bible says, uh, look unto me, all the ends of the earth, and be ye saved. For I am God and there is none else. The Bible says, just as Moses lifted up a serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. I'm here tonight as a representative of the Lord Jesus Christ, his servant, and pleading for Jesus for your salvation. If you're here tonight and you've never trusted the Lord Jesus Christ, tonight is the night that you can come to faith in Jesus Christ. Could you come up and play the piano just a little bit for us? I'm about to close. God's calling tonight. The Bible says that you're nothing more than dead bones. If you're in this place tonight and you're without Jesus, but dear friends, Take one look, one look at the crucified one. Lay down your sin. You cannot have your sin and Jesus too. He will come into you. He will save your soul. He will give you a new walk and he will give you a new destiny. I'm going to give you an opportunity to trust Jesus for your salvation tonight. Maybe you're here tonight, church, at Bethel Baptist Church. Maybe you're saying, I have left my first love. I don't have the same zeal for Jesus as I once had. I need a revival in my heart. Send a revival and start the work in me. I'm going to ask you, church, tonight, to do business with God. It's between you and it's between God. But oh, 
that tonight you would allow the Spirit of God to work in your hearts. With every head bowed and every eye closed and no one looking around, I'm going to ask first of all tonight, are you here in this auditorium? You're a visitor. Somebody has brought you here. Maybe you came because you heard there was good singing. Maybe you're just, you just came here because you wanted to appease somebody. But I'm going to tell you the real reason why you're here is because God has brought you here. It doesn't matter how young you are tonight. If you're without God and without Christ, you are facing an eternal hell. Are you here this evening without Christ? I'm going to ask you to slip up your hand and I'll pray for you. My prayer will not save you, but I will pray for you. Is there somebody here tonight? Say, preacher, pray for me. I want to trust Jesus for my salvation. Anybody tonight? I want, I'm just going to pray for you. I'm without Christ. I want to be saved. I'm going to pray. Then I'm going to let Lori play through this song. The altar is open. If you want to come and spend time with God, you can do it very, very simply and easily in your seat. But if you want to come and you want to bow at the altar, the altar is a safe place. It's a place for you to come. Heavenly Father, I pray for the one that is yet without Christ in this place. Lord, I gave the invitation as you bid me to do. And Lord, it's a shame when somebody will come into a church and not trust Christ. It's like that person who was locked in a grocery store and yet he died of hunger because he would not eat. Oh Lord, that you would move even now as the piano plays in the hearts of somebody in this place. Lord, may your name be highly lifted up and exalted. Lord, you said, I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. Help us, O God, that we would seek you for revival. And we would ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.